Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and we have good news to start things off. First of all, good news because today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Secondly, uh, good news because this is a monumental weekend here in the United States. Now that we have a new federal holiday to celebrate every month of June. So for it's three-day weekend for a lot of people. Um, the Of course, the holiday is coming up this Sunday. It's my dad's birthday. My dad born. Marsh will be 90 years old. Oh, yeah, it's Father's Day, too. But, you know, I've talked about this so many times before you're on the program, and I'm grateful that you indulge me. But when I was a kid, uh, the first Father's Day rolled around that I remember. I think I was probably five years old, and it just happened to be on a Sunday, and my dad's birthday is June 18th. And I we celebrated Father's Day. Dad got Father's Day presents and birthday presents and I thought this is kind of cool dad's birthday is father's day wow it's like a national holiday this is fantastic way to go dad so I'm all for it I know this congress has been a little bit uh you know anxious trigger happy if you will to pass out holidays but uh, I'm all in favor of making June 18th permanent father's day make it my dad's birthday in memorial Uh, dad's still with us celebrating 90 years young this Sunday. And Dad, happy birthday and happy Father's Day. I love you. And then coming up on Monday, uh, June the 19th, is the Juneteenth holiday. This will be the third year now that we're celebrating Juneteenth. It's a national holiday. I remember when they did it two years ago, uh, the Biden first year of the Biden administration, I think they, they kind of announced it on June 18th and said, hey, June 19th is a holiday. But I know there are a lot of people who have you know kind of mixed emotions about it, um, largely because they just don't know about it. And in all honesty, the, uh, the irony of the fact that many people celebrate July 4th as American Independence Day. That's the day America, of course, declared independence from Great Britain, well, the United Kingdom, England. But June 19th, 1865, is the day that we also commemorate the fact that that's when uh, historically, traditionally recognized as the day slavery ended in the sense that, not that slavery didn't end sooner than that, it actually ended with the Emancipation Proclamation where President Lincoln gave that address on New Year's Day, 1863. It was something he'd presented to Congress in September of 1862. Now you're saying, wait, but the Civil War kept going on until 1865. I know, right? How crazy is that? So uh, the Juneteenth holiday, that's the day that is recognized as the day the last round of slaves, and it wasn't exactly the last round of slaves. There were still some slaves in the North that did not know yet. But that's when the official proclamation went out in the state of Texas that everyone who had been living as slaves was now free. And what is kind of a kind of a smack in the face is the fact that they'd actually been free for two and a half years, but this is the first time anyone told them. But that principle is still playing out today. Not that something is or isn't true, but this is what people are being told. And my commitment to you here on the bottom line, all the Crawford Broadcasting hosts, I'd like to thank the guys for pinch hitting for me yesterday, just Wednesday morning. Uh, we had stuff going on. I used the home studio for recording the podcast, and uh, we just had banging and noisy stuff. Like So they went as the three-man crew. But the, um, the idea that there are media outlets out there that don't um, tell you the truth. There's a Christian musician songwriter by the name of Reggie Ham, who uh, one G and two M's, if you're looking for him online, I stumbled onto his work about four or five years ago on social media, on Facebook, and um, started reading it, and I like a lot of it. Some of it, it's it's not, I mean, he writes for a living, so I mean, he puts out five columns a week or whatever. But the post that he did, the posted this morning, about Donald Trump being the bad guy, the boogeyman that so many people don't like, 
But he goes back and he goes, takes a dive maybe five or six presidential administrations deep, saying, well, if you don't like this about Donald Trump, what about the guy before him and the guy before him and the guy before him? And it's not what aboutism, but rather to say, look, the reason why Donald Trump happened is that enough people had said, we're sick of the way things are going. And we're going to, you know, continue to look for those types of people because the people have had enough. And I, it was very encouraging and very inspiring. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, I, that is up. We'll probably get to discussing that next week or the week afterwards. But the idea that we're here, um, you know, looking at the Juneteenth holiday, and a lot of people are calling it Black Independence Day. And that makes a lot of white and Hispanic and other Americans nervous because it sounds like it's some kind of uprising. But please take it in the spirit with which it's intended. The idea that it would be a black Independence Day is saying, hey, look, this is, I mean, the people who were being bought and sold as people were African-American, they were black. And so for the, that crowd of people who for years have celebrated the 4th of July going, yay, fireworks, hot dogs, you know, whatever. But on the 4th of July, my ancestors were slaves. And, you know, the argument, well, you're not now. <laughs> Do you have a family history? I have a family history. I could trace it back to the 1700s. And uh, I could trace it back to that time. And colonial America was not a thing for my family at that point. And my uh, family was in Scotland and uh, Mexico and other different places and eventually wound up coming to the U.S. But this is a place where America can really come together and say, look, we celebrate July 4th because we had the right idea with the Declaration of Independence. The Constitution enshrined slavery into law and kept women from voting and things like that. It wasn't perfect, but eventually we amended the Constitution 27 times to get it a little more right but it took us almost 100 years to figure out the slavery thing and even then that we had another 100 years of segregation it isn't perfect but i think it's worth it for every american to say look i'm going to celebrate both holidays with equal fervor and a matter of fact on monday i'm getting ahead of myself but monday we'll do a little uh, homage if you will to why juneteenth is an important holiday to celebrate and it doesn't mean that you're encouraging an uprising or black lives matter or anything like that it's just common human decency you know, the, but the idea that here we were for two and a half years, basically after slaves had been freed, we kept fighting the Civil War, and a lot of slaves were not told they were free. And if you don't think that that principle is still alive and well in America today, take a look at what the modern left has done with the abortion issue. Roe versus Wade was overturned a year and a week ago tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow and then a week forward. And during that time, instead of telling the truth about abortion, what the left did is double down on their lies. Your democracy's at risk. The Supreme Court wants to take away your right to everything. You need to vote to enshrine abortion because that'll protect democracy. And people bought it. They believed it. It's so heartbreaking. But as far as the sanctity of human life goes, bottom line show listeners know what the truth is. A woman gets pregnant. If she has an ultrasound, she's 85% more likely to keep that child or release that child for adoption than if she didn't. And 52% of post-abortive women say, oh, if I'd known that adoption was an option, if I'd had an ultrasound, then I would have made the better choice. That's why we partner with Preborn. They're a regular part of the Bottom Line Show. And right now we have a special opportunity for Bottom Line Show listeners. Dennis Wilson has put up a matching gift. Dennis, the father of eight, the grandfather of 18, the great-grandfather of who knows how many, um, has put up a $7,500 matching gift. Typically it's $28 to sponsor a preborn ultrasound visit. I want to thank uh, Sharon in Sun City who called in yesterday with a $280 donation. That means 10 ultrasound visits. Thank you for that. 
Uh, ten ultrasound visits, and that means statistically that uh, eight and a half, nine kids out of ten are going to survive mom's pregnancy because mom had an ultrasound at a preborn clinic. She got to see the baby's face. She got to hear the baby's heartbeat. She got to hear what her options were. How far along is she? Uh, how it, difficult is it, if it is at all, to find an adoption agency if she wants to release the child for adoption? And yes, they'll even tell you too. If you say, where's the local abortion clinic? They'll say, you know what? You, abortion is a legal option in this state. You can do that too. And not everyone who comes to preborn chooses life for the baby, but the overwhelming majority do. And Sharon's $280 donation means 10 kids. Oh, that's fantastic, Sharon. Thank you for calling in. And then a couple days before that, I neglected to mention Gilbert and Lake Elsinore. Gilbert, thank you so much for your donation because that $140 per month means that five kids every month. Mom will get to have ultrasounds and five more kids every month will live. Uh, That's getting us closer to our overall goal. Dennis has put up a $1,500 match. And that $1,500 match, or excuse me, a $7,500 match, and that $7,500 match gets us halfway to a $15,000 contribution with, to preborn, which will help them buy one more uh, ultrasound machine. They're $15,000. Your donation today effectively is doubled. And dads, I'm challenging you today, um, especially if you are a dad. Father's Day is this Sunday. If you love your kids, if you love your grandkids, if you are a dad-to-be, um, Maybe even a memorial gift. I was talking with a dear friend uh, not too long ago who mentioned that uh, a member of their extended family, uh, young husband and wife, they were expecting their first child. Mom had some complications in labor and delivery, and the child didn't survive. Uh, a memorial gift is wonderful, too. I mean, no one likes to talk about miscarriage. It's uh, it's a painful subject. There's no question about it. But perhaps if you've lost a child, uh, never got a chance to hold that baby in your arms, or maybe the child lived just for a few hours or a few days. Um, those are great gifts to make as well. Phil Kagey, Christian singer, he did a lot of pro-life work. He and his wife Bernadette had the hardest time getting, um, becoming pregnant and then carrying a child to term. And um, I remember seeing him at a concert one time. He was handing out the feet pin, you know, logos. And he got up on stage. He says, my wife and I are the parents of eight children. And I'm like, eight kids? I see your four kids here. What are the other four? And then he talked about how she miscarried four times before their first child was born. And so he said, I'm the father of eight. And um, I can say, honestly, that I am the father of three biological kids and three bonus kids. So I'm the father of six. But then I am also the grandfather of six as well. And you know about the four grandkids we talk about. And you can do the math on the rest of them. 833-850-BABY is the number to call with your donation to Preborn. It's matched by a Dennis Wilson matching gift up to $7,500. Let's get another Preborn ultrasound machine in a Preborn clinic today. Uh, dollar for dollar match. It's completely tax deductible. And every dollar you donate to Preborn not only stays here in the community, but also it goes exclusively to the ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, 833 2229 or go online to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com there's a pre-born banner there make the click and if you autofill if you, there's a card you use on a regular basis my friend scott wilder at preborn likes to say 28 seconds for a 28 dollars monthly donation will save 12 kids in third in less than a minute 833-850-BABY or go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com and you'll find the banner there As we continue, let's get into some Father's Day programming here on this Good News Friday. Good news is that even if 
you go through a tough time, even if you, and you will. Remember that David writes in Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't say, you know what? Uh, I tried to avoid it as best I could. And I, the goal of the Christian life is not to have to do it. You do go through it. Brian Haynes is a pastor and author and an adventurer who likens those wilderness experiences to real life desert conditions. And he knows what it's like when somebody very close to you infiltrates your family home, that fortress, that in Getty, if you will, and, um, and winds up doing damage in the lives of one of your kids. Brian has written a book called War in the Wilderness, Fight for Your Family When Life Isn't As It Should Be. And we're gonna get into three different types of desert terrain and the kind that you can handle on their own, the kind that you can handle with the proper guide, and the kind that takes supernatural authority uh, to get into. We do have a copy of Brian's book we're giving away today for Father's Day. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. This Good News Friday edition of the bottom line, Father's Day 2023. And if you are a dad for the first time this year, happy Father's Day. Um, and if you're a grandpa for the first time this year, happy Father's Day, grandpa, as well. Brian Haynes and a fascinating look at how to fight for your family when life isn't as it should be. It's coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, we're living in a time right now where we're kind of, uh, if you get right down to it, uh, Pastor and author Brian Haynes says we're living between two gardens, and between the gardens there's only a desert, and it's kind of a biblical metaphor for life. So how do we maintain and how do we keep following a biblical worldview in a culture that really doesn't help? Uh, the new book that Brian has written is called War in the Wilderness, Fight for Your Family When Life Isn't As It Should Be. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Brian Haynes, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you, Roger. Brian Haynes has served the church locally and globally as a ministry leader and pastor for over a quarter of a century, focusing on family and parenting issues and things of that nature. And boy, it, it's got to be, it's got to be a challenge, Brian, when you look at what's happening in the culture right now. Because I mean, these were things that used to be fairly clearly defined: what is a family, you know, what does it entail? And now things have really kind of gotten kind of wacky. Talk about what was the motivation, the gen genesis, if you will, for taking a look at this uh, war in the wilderness, as you describe it. Sure. Well, I think uh, as a pastor, part of it was anecdotal. It just uh, after the pandemic, we saw lots of people going through lots of things in a in a sort of a, a greater way, difficult things, sufferous things, things like uh, anxiety, depression, family breakdown, divorce, grief. I mean, it just seemed like it was accelerated kind of 
pandemic and post pandemic. So I think that was part of it. But then part of it also was my own family went through a really, really sufferous uh, situation. And it, it was the learning that took place in the midst of that situation that, that really drove me to write uh, the book because life really isn't as it should be sometimes. And as Christians, um, it's really important that we know how to walk in those particular seasons. Wouldn't it be great if God gave us lessons in a nice package and we opened them up and put them on the shelf and said, okay, yeah, whenever I need that, I'm going to go to that. But instead, then there's right. this whole wilderness this whole wilderness experience, and you're like, wait, so what is the valley of the shadow again? I, help me understand that. Uh, kind right. of give us a, can you give us a 60-second, 90-second overview of just kind of the, the basics of some of the things that you guys were dealing with that was kind of the genesis for writing this? Sure. Well, my oldest daughter, who's now uh, 23, was uh, 18 years old. She left home, went to college, and uh, just in in really a matter of months, um, really began to struggle um, with symptomatically what looked like mental health, uh, depression, and anxiety. We didn't understand that uh, based on the trajectory of her life so far and the family she was coming from and all that and what we knew. And Anyway, we sent our daughter to a counselor, and that counselor said, asked me, has she ever been sexually assaulted or sexually abused? And we said, no, not that we know of. You know, we've kind of been that family that's pretty conservative about, um, I don't know, spending the night with, with other people and that kind of thing. And so I can't see an opportunity for that to happen. And the counselor told me it's pretty textbook what she's going through. And over a period of time, that counselor uh, pulled a specific time and place and person, in fact, multiple times, same person. And uh, we could put that individual in our house uh, mm-hmm. in that time frame and knew that uh, that it must have it must have happened. Oh, no. And so we just went into this like horrific uh, season of um, one, just trying to find our oldest daughter, trying to f- help our oldest daughter find right. healing, but two, right. dealing with um, just the violation of someone pretty close to us, and um, and then just my own heart. Like as a father, you become sure. sort of uh, murderous in that moment. I mean, I, I don't know oh, yeah. a better term, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just was years of intensity. You can imagine like, uh, not only the counseling, but the family dynamics, how that impacts the other siblings, how it impacts your own marriage, how to impact you, the legal things that come with that. I mean, it was just a, just a terrible time and trying to be a pastor at the same time. Um, this was a very difficult situation. Oh, Brian, I can hear the pain in your voice, and I'm grateful that you uh, have been working through this, uh, that you are vulnerable enough to share this story in this brand new book called War in the Wilderness, Fight for Your Family When Life Isn't As It Should Be. Uh, Pastor Brian Haynes is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. When you started to rebuild, what was it? I mean, what what did you learn about the way the enemy comes after people? I mean, I've, I've heard that euphemistic phrase so many times. Well, let's face it. I mean, the robbers only come to steal 
they break into the house that has things of value in it. So, I mean, they're, they're not messing with things that, that aren't prized possessions in the enemy's economy. But uh, as you began to work through this and your own wounding as well, what were some of the things uh, that God really showed you where he said, hey, I'm, I'm still here and we're walking this fight together? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the, the things that became very clear to me um, in the midst of that kind of struggle is uh, you fi- I found myself, I'll just speak for myself, I found myself um, almost frustrated with God. Like, how hmm. did how did this happen? Right. Where were you? Why didn't you rescue? That kind of thing. And in the midst of that kind of suffering, you really are looking for this rescue, this Black Hawk sort of extraction out of this wilderness warfare that you're in and thinking that you're going to get this immediate result. And, and uh, what I learned of God is exactly what he said all, all through the scriptures is that in those moments, uh, you may not get that that immediate extraction, but what you will find is God is always with you. He will mm. never leave you. And, um, you know, his name, Jesus was given the name Emmanuel, God with us. Um, it is It is really true that that when you're in the deepest, darkest places, um, he will not leave you alone. Um, it doesn't mean it's not painful. It doesn't mean you don't experience real wounds. It doesn't mean you're not in the middle of real warfare, but you are not alone. And we get desert pictures of God. And these were things that just resonated with me. You know, if we're in the wilderness, uh, this broken environment that we're in between these two gardens, and we, we are impacted by the sins of other people, uh, we need things like shade for relief if we're in a mm-hmm. wilderness, a desert. And and uh, the psalmist says he is the shade at our right hand. You know, we need water more than anything. And Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And so I really found that that he is the answer to the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. He is just enough for the day. And then he shepherds you through the next day and then the next day. And you find yourself on a path of healing, a path of freedom. Um, but it's, it's, it, you go through, uh, typically you're not extracted out. And that was our experience. And, and we learned that I think deep things of God in that, um, some of those, those pictures that he gives of himself, especially in the old Testament of, of a God who rides through the wilderness, you know, uh, he's refuge, he's shade, he's rock, he's fortress, he's shepherd, he's straight paths. He's all those things are wilderness pictures and, and they are what you need in the midst of, of, uh, deep difficulties. I'm talking with Dr. Brian Haynes today here on The Bottom Line. He's uh, sharing a very personal family story that has resulted in a book uh, to help all of us going through those wilderness experiences. The book is called War in the Wilderness, Fight for Your Family When Life Isn't As It Should Be. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, Brian has a very unique way, I believe, of of looking to the uh, the text of the Hebrew language to help us understand what the desert really means. I mean, for some people, it's metaphorical. Other people, if you've grown up in areas where there is desert nearby, as yours truly did, I used to spend a couple of weeks every summer with my uh, grandparents in 29 Palms, California, out near Joshua Tree. And and boy, I, I, that was the last place I wanted to be. But uh, Brian Haynes has been through a wilderness experience and is going to help us walk through these three different types of deserts that can help you understand what 
kind of wilderness experience you might be having and how God can uh, meet you there and uh, take you through that experience. We'll get into that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Father's Day edition of the broadcast, and we're having a great conversation here about a tough subject uh, Brian Haynes is my guest. Dr. Brian Haynes has served the church locally and globally as a ministry leader and pastor for a quarter of a century. He has written a powerful book about something that happened in his world and how the enemy infiltrated this world and so how his love for the outdoors and hiking and, and the desert helps us to understand the three different types of deserts we are like, likely to encounter as Christians. Uh, using a very personal story. The book is called War in the Wilderness, Fight for Your Family When Life Isn't As It Should Be. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we do have a copy of this book to give away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, it's interesting because when you think about these different deserts, and we're going to get into them more on the other side of this break, um, they are actual deserts that Brian will tell you more about. There's also kind of a metaphorical quality to each of them, especially when you think about you know what's going on, and then the different level of expertise needed to navigate each of them. Like, for example, the midbar uh, part of the desert. Uh, if you know what you're doing and you can survive, that's okay. It's what many people would call normal. It's not right but it's as good as it gets outside the garden. Um, so if you know what you're doing, you can survive the tzia, if you can survive if you have help. But then when you get into the yashimon, it's wild and it's unbearable and it's really unfit for dwelling. There's only one thing that can protect you for that, and many people are beginning to realize that's kind of the world we're living in right now. What's the only way you can support and sustain? And that's with God's presence. Dr. Brian Haynes, War in the Wilderness, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break and we'll be come back more of this conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You've been in an accident and the worst thing you can do is to wait to contact Stephanie at Cover Law. Stephanie frequently talks to people who waited too long to seek help with their cases or tried to handle them on their own. And by then, it's too late. Family and friends mean well, but they can give truly bad advice. Often even trusted advisors will try and convince you to wait for more compensation. Stephanie knows the insurance companies want you to wait. They don't want you to file police reports, and they don't want you to reach out to Stephanie at Cover Law. That's because Stephanie is keenly aware of the tactics they use and why. She spent 20 years litigating for insurance companies and knows the strategy they will use to minimize their liability and your awarded amount. Insurance companies are for profit. They don't share Stephanie's Christian values, and typically they won't be fair to you. Don't deny yourself the ability to get better. Go with a proven expert in the field of personal injury and contact Cover Law at kbrightradio.com slash c-o-v-e-r today. Brian Haynes is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, a powerful new book that just came out called War in the Wilderness, A Fight for Your Family When Life Isn't As It Should Be. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and Brian is talking about a wilderness experience that his family has been through uh, that was the result of uh, uh, undiscovered abuse and uh, and uh, just the the violation that the family went through. And, and Brian, you involved in pastoral ministry at the time, I'm sure there was a 
a kind of a double sense of how do I keep, you know, my congregational obligations together when I'm going through this type of situation where, you know, there are going to be days when I'm pretty tender and someone looks at me the wrong way and I might just, you know, go into full angry mm-hmm. dad mode. I love the fact that you use the analogy here of the three main words in Hebrew to describe the desert. And I was wondering if you could kind of take us through just for those of us who maybe have a cursory knowledge of the language, but kind of show us how God says, you know, when we talk about a wilderness or desert experience, what kind of desert we're talking about and how God meets us in those places. Mm-hmm. Um, so Roger, since 2006, I have been leading hiking tours through uh, Israel and studying um, kind of the land and the culture and the context and the language uh, that is the scripture to, to hopefully gain a better perspective and understanding of all that the Bible teaches us. And awesome. uh, one of the things that we do is uh, we take people through uh, the wilderness. And there are more than three words for wilderness in the Hebrew language, but three stick out to me and are common areas of uh, the wilderness. Uh, and, and, you know, you said you've you used to go to 29 Palms, so you know what desert is like, but some of you may hear the word wilderness, you might think of, you know, like big, big trees and forests and mountains. And mm-hmm. we're talking about a dry, arid, desolate uh, land with deep, deep wadis, deep valleys and high, high mountains and all in between the treacherous place. And uh, there are three words and three that, that represent three kinds of wilderness. <clears throat> wilderness is a metaphor for life in the Bible. So the first kind is Midbar, and Midbar is desert you can survive in. So this is the kind of uh, wilderness where if you know what you're doing, you can find water, grow food, build shelter, and you can survive in the wilderness called, called Midbar. This is, um, this is kind of our normal uh, in, in life. You know, this is what we're in every day, living between the Garden of Eden and in Revelation 22, uh, a new Jerusalem where everything is restored. There's no more tears, no more crying, no more pain anymore. But in between, there is wilderness. And so Midbar is kind of our normal. We, we can almost forget that we're in a wilderness in Midbar. But when you move to the second kind of desert, it is called Sia. And Sia is um, desert you can survive in if you have help. So you're not going to pull it off by yourself. You're really going to need community, other people who know what they're doing uh, to really help you in the context of SIA. This is, you know, in in that Eastern context, you would be looking for Bedouins that live in SIA that you could find hospitality from if you think, um, you know, uh, about Abraham and his tent or Lot and his right. tents and how we have pictures in, in scripture of them taking care of sojourners. It's like that. And and you could probably think of a time in your life where you might say, hey, I wouldn't have survived this if it weren't for these people or this person uh, who helped me through. That's that's Sia. It's mm-hmm. hard. Okay. It's, it's it's scourging. Um, it's desert you can survive in if you have help. And then there's a third kind, and that third kind is uh, Yashimon, um, and that is desert you can't survive in. You cannot survive in this kind. So this is the kind that is so desolate. There is no water. Um, there's nothing really living out there. And if you spend any length of time out there, you're gonna, you're not gonna make it. 
de dehydrate and die. And so this is the time of life, you know, where you need a miracle from God to survive. Um, you need his presence, you need his power. It's interesting, I think, that uh, the children of Israel, when they come out of Egypt, they wander in Yashimon for a large section of their uh, their 40-year journey. And it says mm. they got water from a rock, manna mm -hmm. from heaven, their shoes didn't wear out, um, those kinds of things. And so we go through that kind of time of life, too, where we, 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 we aren't going to make it apart from the presence and power of God, a miracle of, of God. And and uh and people find themselves there and my hope was with with this book was to say hey when you are there uh here's how you look to god he's he's sufficient yes we have a real enemy that that is seeking to kill steal and destroy but even in in this yashimo in this desert you can't survive and god is a god of miracles he's the one that provides manna from heaven water from a rock and he can lead you through this uh too you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, Brian Haynes is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and we're talking about uh, his brand new book called War in the Wilderness, Fight for Your Family When Life Isn't As It Should Be. Uh, there's a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. As you were describing just those three types of deserts, if you will, the, the, the different types of terrain, and knowing that you have this background, you know, and then God called you into this season or allowed this season to happen and said, okay, I'll meet you there. Um, you came into this with the knowledge, you know, that, that this is what the terrain mm -hmm. could be like, and this is what it could be. Talk to the person who maybe they've had something as shell shocking as what happened to the Haynes family. I mean, everybody's trauma is different. I mean, you, there's no way I could say as mm -hmm. a dad, I know exactly how you feel because I don't. I mean, I just, I, I don't. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, as a brother in Christ, I could say, hey, I'm weeping with you and mourning with you, you know, over the, the losses mm -hmm. that you sustained and everything you're you're doing. So as you've written this book and you're helping other families, you know, who have been hit by these different types of tragedies, I would imagine that there are going to be times when my logical brain says, well, I'll tell you what, I think I the 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 Midian or Midbar looks pretty good or the sea looks okay, but boy, if that Yashimon happens, I'm toast. Um, how do we mm -hmm. look at those things? I mean, without making light, but how do we look at where we are and kind of identify so that we know better how to pray and ask friends to help us and that type of thing? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's a, it's about being um, proactive, even if you don't know you're being intentionally proactive for a season in the wilderness that that's maybe in your in your future. And I would say proactive in a couple of ways. In the first, you would expect a pastor to say what I'm getting ready to say, but mm -hmm. but I say it from the heart of a of a dad who went through a really difficult time, and it wouldn't have mattered if I'm a pastor or or not. Right. Um, the most important thing that you have in the deepest part of the wilderness is your relationship with Christ. It is that abiding, connected relationship with Christ that uh, that sustains you primarily in that 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 deepest part of the wilderness. I mean, it, 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 there's there's nothing like it. I, I remember um, I was drawn to the Psalms. You know, David is a desert psalmist, and there are all these desert pictures, and he speaks a lot about. Uh, that that our, our God is a God who who makes living waters or streams of living waters throw, mm -hmm. flow through the wilderness. 
And uh, and Jesus just echoes this in the Gospels that He's living water. He offers living water to the Samaritan woman. He says in John seven, "If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink." And you got to realize, as a desert sojourner, and you're going through this, this life where you're impacted by your own sin and by the sins of other people, and by the enemy who's, who's seeking to cause warfare. Your your primary uh, sustenance is that relationship with Jesus, hearing and obeying Him, even in the in the most difficult of circumstances. And then, secondarily, I would say, do not uh, be a person who isolates. Um, you are in those moments, you are going to need people that can hold you up. And so you're going to need uh, a pastor in your life. You're going to need a friend who is an, an intercessor who can pray. You, you you may need an outside sort of counselor who's professional, who can help you address what uh, you know appear to be mental health issues from a gospel perspective to help mm-hmm. you kind of find the root of, of what's causing these uh, symptoms. And so, so every person needs community. Every person needs a tribe of people that will go through the wilderness with them. And I, I just feel like so many people try to go it alone, particularly right. in our culture. And sometimes in the church, they just, we just have this like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. Everything's fine. And we have this desire to keep uh, whatever section of our uh, of our wilderness wanderings we find ourselves in, we, we try to keep that private and pretend like it doesn't happen. And, and pretty soon you just can't handle it by yourself anymore. And so that relationship with Jesus and relationship with other people is paramount to traversing, you know, what David calls the valley of the shadow of death, um, right. that, that deepest, darkest part of the wilderness. Mm. Boy, that is sage counsel from a man who's been there, a man who's walked with the Lord, who's helped other people not only navigate uh, these terrains that he has uh, taken as a tour guide, but a great metaphor for your role as a pastor and now as a dad who's been through this as well. Uh, Brian Haynes has been my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called War in the Wilderness, Fight for Your Family When Life Isn't As It Should Be. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Brian, thank you so much for telling the story in print and for sharing the story with us here on The Bottom Line Show. Uh, Great to get to be with you today. Thank you so much, Roger. I appreciate it. For our good. You know, when you read Romans 8.28, God can work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I'm sure Dr. Brian Haynes was not thinking, oh, pick me, pick me. None of us are, but his book, War in the Wilderness, will help you fight for your family when life isn't as it should be. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's a perfect Father's Day resource. So we do have a copy of this book that we're giving away right now. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the book by Dr. Brian Haynes, War in the Wilderness, Fight for Your Family When Life Isn't As It Should Be. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. We know that we're living in a bit of a wilderness experience here, especially as Christians, but maybe no place can we recognize that more than in the area of fatherlessness. And as we continue, I know it's Good News Friday, but I want to take a look at the fatherless statistics in the United States right now as we approach Father's Day 2023. And they'd give us an encouragement as to why 
it is so important for us to cling to our Heavenly Father and why the world needs this good news message now more than ever. Let's get into the statistics coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound, Sound machine. Now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833 850 BABY. 833 850 BABY. That's 833 850 2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. My thanks again to Dr. Brian Haynes for a great conversation about the war in the wilderness, the name of his brand new book, Fight for Your Family When Life Isn't As It Should Be, 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, um, as we approach Father's Day this coming Sunday, first of all, if your dad is still with us, I hope you get a chance to celebrate with him in person. I won't be able to physically be present with my dad, but uh, we will be, well, we celebrated his 90th birthday last week with my mom, as you heard me wax uh, nostalgic and a nice homage to her. Mom and dad are nine days apart. And so dad's uh, 90th birthday is this Sunday. It's going to be a a tremendous celebration. And then there's going to be more family celebrations coming up in July. And then there's 68th wedding anniversary in August. And it's really exciting. But, you know, in the 1960s, I was born, well, my sister was born in 59, I was born in 61, my brother was born in 65. We grew up in an America where the norm was dad's at home, mom's at home. The divorce rate was very, very low. And quite frankly, the, uh, what's the polite word for this? The shotgun wedding rate was pretty high too. Uh, the number of kids that were born out of wedlock was less than 5%. You know, now it's it's over, well, let's see, it's over 41% at the last count. Nearly half of every child, uh, uh, half of the children born in the United States are born into the out-of-wedlock home. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that mom and dad aren't together and doing a family together. What it means is that mom and dad are raising their family, but they're not raising the family as husband and wife. And I know, you know, we heard the old 60s and 70s diatribe. It's just a piece of paper. It's not that big a deal. But when you look at where the world is heading without the fact that fathers are, you know, kind of being displaced in the media, been displaced in the culture, I've noticed this trend on television. Uh, Lisa and I, of course, come from different backgrounds. And, um, and I like to say, yeah, I come from a Lutheran background. She comes from Southern Baptist. I mean, figure it out. If you've seen our social media pictures, you know what I'm talking about, though, about the, the differences. But I don't know how many times we'll be watching a television commercial where dad is kind of domesticated. You know, dad's the one spaying, spraying Febreze everywhere. Dad's the one doing the laundry. Dad's the one driving the kids to and from practice. And when I was growing up, and even, you know, as a dad who was that kind of involved dad, 
Um, my first question is, well, where's mom? You know, hopefully mom's still there and doing things. Lisa has a totally different take on that. She says, I, I said, you know, I got really hate to see dad kind of uh, placed in that domesticated role. We don't ever get to see dad on TV, you know, going to work or, you know, solving a problem. And uh, she said, no, I just love seeing dad in the home. Full stop. I mean, if you know what it's like to grow up in a home where dad wasn't there, just seeing dad physically present, I don't care what he's doing. I mean, as long as he's not abusing anybody, he's great. U.S. Census Bureau 2020, which is the last year we had numbers for the census, um, 24.7 million children in the United States lived in a home with no dad. That's 33% of the children in America right now live in a home where dad is not present. Back in 1960, the number of kids who grew up in a fatherless home Remember, the number was smaller and the percentage was smaller as well. In 1960, the number of kids who grew up in a home uh, was around 25%. So you've seen a 25% increase in the number of kids. But in terms of the number of children, there are over 77 million kids in the United States and 25 million of them live in a home where dad is not there. Now, back in the day, oftentimes the reason dad wasn't there was dad passed away. Dad might have been a military guy. Dad had one of those, you know, tough jobs. Um, I know my mother, my mother's father passed away when he was in his late fifties. Um, you know, divorce was there. You know, separation was there, but death was really, you know, uh, an issue too. You know, in all, in all, in all honesty, I don't know why that came out. In all honesty, there are a lot of other reasons why Dad isn't at home. Um, I mentioned one of the major ones earlier and that is uh, maybe dad never was home maybe mom and dad didn't get married they thought it'd be cool to crank out a kid and dad drops in whenever he wants to um, there are some other statistics that indicate that incarceration impacts the society on the whole you know dad's at, in locked up and the kids are in prison and then there's just flat out abandonment it's amazing how many, and I, this is something that just, it's so far-fetched for me seeing my dad married to my mom for 68 years. Um, but there's no way that that would ever be an issue. But it is an issue for a lot of other homes where dad just doesn't come home one day. Here are the statistics that uh, are, are really sobering. And I realize this is a Good News Friday story, but I want to share these with you. 70% of children in fatherless homes drop out of high school. Children living in fatherless homes are four times more likely to live in poverty. Girls in fatherless homes are eight times more likely to become mothers during their teenage years. 85% of children living without a father experience some kind of behavioral disorder. 20.2% uh, of fathers who are absent, I mean, according to 2019 data, it's one out of every five dads is considered to be not present. 85% of children with absent fathers get involved in crime. And here's one, I mean, just taking one demographic right now. We, we've often seen how one of the turning points in American society uh, were two pieces of legislation 
the Voting Rights Act of 1964 and the Civil Rights Act of 1965. And during that time, we were told back in the day that 20% of uh, African-American kids grew up in a home where dad was not present. And once social welfare kicked in, uh, that meant that uh, as high as 75% of children in African-American communities um, were born into homes where it was only mom. And single moms, of course, have this just Herculean task ahead of them. But I want to give you two pieces of information that are encouragements to dads who are doing it right, who are getting it done. And on the other side of this break, I want to talk about uh, the role that a positive and nurturing father plays in the life of a child, especially in this day and age. We'll get into that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I know it's Good News Friday today, and yet here comes old uh, grumpy Gus here, uh, Mr. Eeyore himself, your host, uh, with all sorts of, all manner of statistics about um, fatherlessness and the impact a father has. But here's the deal. We could either look at these as negatives or we could look at these as positives. And understand that there are some kids who grow up in single-parent homes who do very well. 30% of kids who grow up in homes where dad is not there uh, stay in high school and graduate. Uh, children who, um, you know, when you consider the number of father experience, for there are at least 15% of kids can make it through the single-parent experience if dad's not there without a behavioral disorder. But here's the statistic that got to me. This is from the Bureau of uh, Statistics, by the way which we'll post at thebottomlineshow.com. Teenagers with positive and nurturing fathers are 80% less likely to go to prison than those who don't have fathers involved in the home. Now you might say, well, whoop-dee-dee. I mean, that, that's the goal of any parent is to keep your kids walking the straight and narrow and not get them locked up. But think about this, though. There's something about dad being present and being positive and being nurturing that can help kids walk the straight and narrow. Dad, you may be thinking right now, gosh, I don't know what kind of impact I'm having on my kids. I can assure you, there have been days. I mean, my kids are, are wonderful, and now all six of my kids, because of our blended family situation, and there are days when I, I, I'm so proud to be their dad, and other days where I'm thinking, what have I done that led you to make that decision? <laughs> what, was there something I could have done differently? And there have been times I've been on my knees before the Lord sobbing over my relationship with my kids. Things that they've done, things that I've done that, you know, just kind of stink. But here's the good news. If you have a relationship with the Lord, that means you have a father in your life who will never leave you, never forsake you, and will always be the father you need. If you have been called to the role of fatherhood, and not everybody listening to the Bottom Line Show is a dad or a mom, I mean, that would be pretty naive of me to think, well, it's Father's Day, so all the dads listening. I get it. I, I've been in that in that worship service before where they said, hey, moms, it's Mother's Day. Everyone, Moms, raise your hand. We want to make sure you get a flower. And half the congregation of women don't raise their hands. Guys that have been some of the most influential mentors to young men in your church, and you find out that they were never dads or never had the chance to be grandparents. But 
If God has called you to this season, please know that not only did he call you, he didn't call you to abandon you in this season in hopes that you would somehow figure it out on your own. He's walking every step of the way with you. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. And you're loved by him. That's who you are as his child. And I want to wish my dad, Warren Marsh, a happy birthday and Father's Day this Sunday. 90 years young. Dad, thank you for the fantastic example you've been to Linda and to Brian and me, especially to Lisa. My goodness, she, you, you were never her father-in-law. You've always been dad from the word go for her. And uh, just a fun story to wrap up the hour. On Easter Sunday, uh, we live a couple hours away from my mom and dad. And so we, uh, we made the trek down and we got a little later start and there was miscommunication between Lisa and me on wh- what time we were supposed to be there. So we wound up getting to see my parents after lunch on Easter Sunday instead of before. And so we came into their assisted living room and um, mom, had, we had to wake her up. She was taking a nap and Lisa came over and gave dad a hug and he looked at her and uh, he, they exchanged something, they always do. And then as we were driving home that night, she said, you know, dad fussed at me today. And she had this big smile on her face. And I said, what do you mean he fussed at you? And she said, he said, hey, we were expecting you a lot earlier than you got here. And he had this smile on it. My dad has this kind of sarcastic smile. And I said, oh, honey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for him to, you know, say that to you. She goes, no. And she had a big smile on her face. And she said, he fussed at me because he cared about me. He was looking forward to seeing us sooner than we actually got there. And I just appreciate the fact that he loved me enough to tell me, hey, I'm going to fuss at you a little bit because you matter to me. And for someone who didn't hear that a lot from her dad growing up, to hear it from my dad in that moment meant she heard it from her dad that day. Dads, you play a huge role in the lives of your kids. Do not take that role for granted and don't underestimate the impact you've had. That is good news. And that's the bottom line. KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. We've got Rabbi Schneider coming up next for you. For those who remain on the network, a special Father's Day story about a young girl who started out her life in probably the worst possible place and now is ascending to the highest heights. It's coming up next as the bottom line continues. Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Father's Day edition, Father's Day 2023. And I hope that if you are a dad, uh, you are properly celebrated today. Um, whether you're there, you, dads are a little better about this than moms are, I think. And that's okay. You know, the dads are like, give me a call. You know, if we're, you know, we've got grown kids and they live in different states, like my daughter, Emily, and her husband, uh, Brian, live in Texas. And uh, they're on the road. They're traveling right now. So I, I, we had a chance to catch up last Friday. They were in town um, for uh, Kaylee, daughter Kaylee's uh, dissertation defense and it was my mom's birthday, so we all got together and had a really great, wonderful birthday celebration with my mom, which was super. And we celebrated dad, too. So, you know, gave him birthday card, uh, Father's Day card, and that type of stuff. So requisite phone call on the 18th for sure. But if you are in a situation where you're celebrating dad today, I really hope that you do take the time to celebrate, especially if your dad is that godly guy who set the standard, who uh, set the bar high, and... Um, and had expectations, but also cheered on your victories and your successes and, and wept along with you when things didn't go your way. I mean, that's, it's a, understand, of course, that when it comes to parenting, um, you know, the, uh, when it comes to parenting, uh, you don't really know how you're doing until your kids get older, right? I mean, there's no manual the kids come with. 
and dads especially, we want to have the right answers. We certainly want to be, you know, in the right position with the right things to say and do. And we don't always get it right because we were raised by imperfect people. And I am so grateful for my dad, who was a lifelong learner. Um, he knew what he knew, but he was very willing to, you know, learn from other people. He, uh, it took me a long time. He was kind of uh, stern. My mom was the sweet, smiling, huggy one, and my dad was, you know, kind of stern. And why are you wasting your time on sports? Because you should be getting a degree and you know that type of stuff. And what do you mean you want to go into broadcasting? You know, <laughs> that's, that's there's no stability there. And we chuckle about that now, realizing that in three weeks I'll celebrate 40 years in this business. But uh, nonetheless. It's interesting, you know, I'm grateful to have a, a good example of a godly dad in my life, and I know other people who haven't had that same example. And sometimes, let's face it, sometimes one of the best things a father can do for his family, if he doesn't have his act together, if he's abusive or evasive or uh, not really helpful, um, I've talked to many people over the years who don't really have a relationship with their dad or never did. Dad left when they were very young, and they'll tell you, hey, look, as much as I miss the idea of having my dad around, one of the best things he did for us, he was an alcoholic, he couldn't hold a job, he was abusive toward my mom. I'm grateful that he left, you know, that he's not part of the, he wasn't part of the day-to-day -day anymore. And, um, and sometimes it's just a little too much. Um, it's interesting because the, the words of the 10th commandments, of course, the first commandment with a promise is honor your father and mother. And I think this is a day where we talk about honoring dads. But that honor is uh, something that goes, um, well, it, it's something that it's hard for people to understand. It, it's a process and a concept that doesn't necessarily mean I like everything you're doing. It doesn't even necessarily mean I love you, love you, love you, even though you are this person. When you honor your father and mother, it means you respect the fact that this man and this woman uh, brought you into life. God chose them to be your parents. And you honor the position that they've held in your life. Uh, this helps a lot of people that I've had the privilege of counseling through the senior years, especially as mom and dad get older. And the kids look at their parents, you know, in this kind of uh, frail state and go, ah, mutter, mutter, mutter. I remember back when I was a kid. And, and it's like, hey, wait a minute. Nothing's going to get solved now. Here's your opportunity to show up, to be a support, to get the things that they need. Um, you know, it's, it's, I love watching my sister honoring her dad right now uh, during this season. My mom has been in skilled nursing for a couple of weeks because she uh, uh, had an issue with sepsis, had an infection and uh, nausea and vomiting and stuff like that. So she has to be separated from him. So she's downstairs in skilled nursing and he's upstairs in their room. And every night she brings them both a milkshake. It's really sweet. Chocolate, which my dad was always a vanilla ice cream guy. The fact that he likes chocolate milkshakes now, he must really love my mom. 68 years of marriage. And it's very sweet because one of the ways that she honors her mother and father is she buys them milkshakes every night and brings them over. And it's it's it, it's just, it, it's the little things, right? It doesn't take a lot. Now's not the time to say, hey, when I was five, you wouldn't let me get a bicycle. And when I was 16, you didn't approve of my, you know, the person I wanted to go to prom with. And but eh, that's over. That, I mean, that's, it doesn't matter. Now what really matters is are you right with the Lord and are you honoring your parents? And so I hope and pray today uh, for you as we get look ready for this Father's Day weekend. If you had a great relationship with your dad, obviously, you know, you're either going to have fond memories that you'll be posting on social media saying, I love my dad. I remember that time when I was eight, you know, blah, blah, blah. But if you didn't have a great relationship with your dad and he's still around, I want to encourage you to honor him. Maybe send him a card. 
or a note. Maybe pick up the phone and call. Hey, Dad, just want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Doesn't have to be a long conversation, but there are ways we can witness to our parents. And in many cases, that is the case. I mean, my dad was a great witness to his dad in his dying days. He dealt with a variety of different health challenges the last two and a half years of his life. And, you know, we watched my grandfather kind of waste away to nothing. He was only 5'3", 5'4". He wasn't a very tall man, but I think he weighed like 76 pounds when he died. I mean, he was just, he was in a lot of pain because of what his body was doing to him. And my dad faithfully served him, honored him. My grandfather lived in 29 Palms. We lived in Orange County and my dad made the trek out there to take care of his mom. And, you know, he, and my dad was a really busy guy. He'd just gotten this major promotion at work. He became an assistant superintendent with the Orange County Department of Education and still made time to make his parents a priority. And I've always admired him about that. When, uh, after my grandmother was widowed, they helped her move closer to where they were. They were in Anaheim. And every Saturday, come hell or high water, Either my mom and my dad or my mom or my dad took my grandmother grocery shopping. They went out to Jack of the Box, which is her favorite place to eat. Uh, they came and spent some time with her. They really did invest in her. And um, I, I've always admired them for that. So that's kind of the standard that I have for wanting to be, you know, that, that child. I love my parents, so it's easy to say I honor them. But if you didn't have a great relationship with your mom and dad, and especially this weekend with Father's Day, it seems like mom, uh, dad is the more contentious relationship. I want to encourage you to find a way to honor them anyway. You know, they are your parents. And biblical mandate in the Ten Commandments is honor your father and mother. It doesn't mean you have to like everything they did, but honor them. Find one good thing that they did and post it on social media. Or, you know, send that card that just says, I hope you have a happy Father's Day doesn't necessarily mean that I want to be debating it with you. It'll make it a happy Father's Day for me if I don't have to see you. But at least, you know, get them a card or let them know you're thinking about them. And pray. Continue to pray for these people. You'd be amazed at the number of elderly parents who wind up coming to faith in Christ in their later years simply because they're kids who are Christian, who know how badly they were treated by these parents when they were younger, still have that opportunity to honor. Like, for example, this is a, a song that I've really, really enjoyed. I'm not going to sing it for you, um, but because uh, we'd have copyright infringement and stuff like that. Plus, I think Stephen Curtis Chapman sings it better. On his uh, uh, Science of Life album, 1996, he wrote a song that's kind of an album cut. It's one of those personal ones that he tucked in on the record, knowing it wouldn't get a lot of radio airplay. But it's a song called What Would I Say? And he wrote a love song for his wife a couple years later called What I Really Want to Say, but this is called What Would I Say? And it's a song about his, um, uh, his grandfather who, um, it's a, or excuse me, his great-grandfather and how the family history would have changed so much if great-grandpa had not been the kind of guy that he was, which was not terribly reputable. Can I read these lyrics to you? And, and think about this as maybe an opportunity to have that Father's Day reconciliation with the dad that either you didn't really have a relationship with or you had a tough relationship with and you want to just kind of honor them but also clear the air. Here are the lyrics. She was a lovely girl, a charming brown-eyed beauty. You were the bright young man who swept her off her feet. The high school class ring soon became a wedding band and you went off to sail the seas for Uncle Sam. But they say it was the demon in the bottle that took you far away never to return. And you never knew your son would be my father. And now sometimes I think about you and I wonder if I could talk to you, what words would I choose? I would say I wish I could have known you. I would say I wish you would have stayed. But most of all, I would say I forgive you. 
I know your love was strong. I read it in your letters. I read how hard you tried to break free from the chains. I know we all could say how you should have done better and wear our anger and resentment like a fetter, but that's why I would say this to you if I could. I would say I wish I could have known you. I would say I wish you would have stayed, but most of all, I would say I'd forgive you. I'd love to tell you how the lovely girl you married has been my hero and a treasure to us all. I know you'd be proud of the way your name has been carried. These things I would love to tell you if I could. I just wish you were here to say what I would say. You know, you have the opportunity every day to offer forgiveness. And I get emotional thinking about this because I know people who are very close to me who would probably say that perfectly describes my relationship with. If there's abandonment, if there's hurt, if you've been wronged, trust me, forgiveness is the best gift you can give somebody. And it's the best gift you can give and receive yourself. Because don't forget, the essence of your relationship with Jesus Christ is forgiveness. We have fellowship with God because he forgave us of our sins against him. If God can forgive me the things that I have done to him, can I not forgive some of the things, if not all of the things, that have been done to me? What does it say about my faith in Christ if I'm holding on to resentment? I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you today. If Father's Day is a tough day for you because you've got something against your dad, ask your Heavenly Father if it's okay for you to keep a grudge against your own earthly father while still receiving the blessing and forgiveness from your Heavenly Father. I think you know the answer to that question. And I want to encourage you in that regard. Hey, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, another twist on Father's Day that takes us back to the Super Bowl of this year and a player from the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs who had an opportunity to do something that a lot of Christians are now saying, I don't know if I would do that. Would you go to the White House and meet one of the most abortion-friendly presidents ever if your team won the Super Bowl? Well, this guy did, but he did it in a way that I think honors God. I'm going to share that with you coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Father's Day edition of the program. And of course, uh, Father's Day is celebrated the third Sunday of the uh, month of June. You know what's interesting about uh, Father's Day is Father's Day was, in fact, people wonder, you know, where did Father's Day come from? Did Mother's Day come first? Yes, Mother's Day did come first. Uh, Father's Day actually was 
a direct response to Mother's Day. Um, uh, Sonora Smart Dodd was the one who actually began the tradition, the idea of celebrating the influence of fathers in society. Um, basically, uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church has often appointed the second Sunday before Nativity as the Sunday of the Forefathers. Um, when it comes to Father's Day, though, uh, Anna, of course, Jarvis, of course, is the founder of Mother's Day. And um, there are all sorts of different traditions to honor fathers, but uh, uh, it was Sonora Smart Dodd who, in 1910, grew up in a home where her dad was a single dad and said, you know, I, I want to do something I think we should do to honor fathers. So that's why we are celebrating. And it's a good opportunity for us to, uh, you know, in this day and age, I'm quite frankly, I'm surprised Father's Day hasn't been canceled because the culture seems so bent on, uh, you know, eliminating anything that looks like positive masculine influences in the culture. I'm just happy we're still celebrating Father's Day here in 2023. Do you remember... Um, well, it seems like it's it's become contentious over, say, the past decade. A uh, professional sports team or a college athletic division one school wins a national championship, and then it used to be, you know, I, I don't know when the tradition started. I seem to remember uh, maybe Richard Nixon doing this, or I know Ronald Reagan did it, but the, where the professional sports championship team, Super Bowl winners, World Series winners, whatever, goes to the White House, visits the president, photo op they give him a jersey you know from their team or a baseball cap depending on the sport and um and, and it's a big deal big you know pr opportunity for both the players and the sport as well as the the white house and then it became contentious people didn't like barack obama because he was pro-abortion or people didn't like george w bush because he was pro-war or they didn't like donald trump because well he was donald trump um, and so then it became the teams going, well, we're not sure if we're going to go. And, uh, you know, it's NBA teams when Trump was in office saying, you know, well, well if, he, if we win, we're not going to go. And then so a lot of those teams that said they weren't going to go anyway wound up not even making the finals. So I thought, well, you know, I mean, that's uh, that maybe that's a problem you should worry about once you get there. But sometimes, you know, I, th I think, gosh, even. Um, you know, these college athletes, remember the women's NCAA championship, remember their 15 seconds of fame a couple months ago, there was the one girl who was making the three pointers and then they were ghosting her with the hand. Remember all that? You probably don't. And you don't because the cycle of news is so uh, shallow these days that it's in your face for a couple of months and then you forget it even happened. So let me refresh your memory about a story that was recently played out in the white house, um, not too long ago, and I'm not quite sure why it took as long as it did for this story to make its way. In February, gosh, now we're in February, second week of February is when the uh, the Super Bowl uh, championship is played. And this year is Super Bowl 57. The Kansas City Chiefs emerge victorious. And it's interesting because um, when the Chiefs did so, there were a lot of Chiefs that were... Uh, you know, players who uh, were of the Christian faith, uh, a lot of them passionately pro-life, sanctity of life, God and country, uh, you know, some good guys. I mean, now there were guys on both sides of the aisle. I mean, you couldn't go wrong if you were uh, uh, even just a casual football fan saying, well, I'll cheer for the Christians because you had, was it Jalen Hurts for the Eagles, who was uh, very passionate uh, in his Christian faith and very outspoken about it too, a good role model uh, who was very gracious and magnanimous even in defeat. But it's no secret that when it comes to pro-life presidencies, 
the Republican side appear to be more pro-life than the Democrat side. But in all honesty, let's be real. I mean, as much good and as many good headlines as Donald Trump got as a quote-unquote pro-life president, uh, Planned Parenthood funding from the federal government went up dramatically during his term, just like it went up dramatically during Barack Obama's term, just like it went up dramatically during George W. Bush's term. So it doesn't seem to matter whether or not the president talks a good game regarding the sanctity of life. But the reality is, um, you know, the the abortion industry keeps getting finding ways to get more and more federal money. So there are a number of players who, uh, you know, it's like if if Joe if Donald Trump said something, then all the leftist players, the black players or the Hispanic players or the lesbian players or gay players or whatever would say, well, I don't like their position on blah, blah, blah. So therefore, I'm not going. But when a pro-life or a pro-Christian or, you know, pro-Jewish player, you know, if they don't want to go to the White House to meet the president, well, then, uh, you know, what's wrong with these hate-filled bigot Christians and whatever. So Harrison Butker was the kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a guy who made no secret during his playing season um, that he was very passionate. He's a devout Catholic. He believes that he is on earth uh, because he, he's, you know, in the sanctification process. He said, I, I, and I'll read a statement about his, his Catholic faith in just a moment, but this is a guy who, they, when the Chiefs beat the Eagles 38-35, he was the guy who had the winning kick. I mean, he, he made it all happen. He's been in the NFL for six seasons. He was drafted uh, in the seventh round in 2017 by the Carolina Panthers. He was right out of Georgia Tech. Later, he joined the Chiefs and has become their kicker for quite some time. He made 164 field goals on 186 attempts, uh, over 90 regular season games in his career. Uh, The longest was 62 yards. And if anybody remembers your NFL history, you remember Tom Dempsey of the Saints against the Detroit Lions punching through with that kind of stubbed shoe of his, a 63-yarder, way back in 1970. So a 62-yard kick is, is a pretty good deal. But it wasn't his shoe that got people's attention when the Chiefs eventually made their trip to the White House a week ago Monday. Instead, it was a pin, quite frankly. It was a, uh, a, a message that was sent to anybody who was watching and anyone who was paying attention. You know, the players were all uh, posed for a picture, presidents at the podium, welcoming them to the White House. And um, for the first week, or the first uh, uh, pin that he wore, wore, was the little baby feet. You've probably seen that before. That's kind of become the iconic symbol of the pro-life community for years and years. It's basically feet that are representing the size of the baby's feet at 10 weeks of gestation, which is about the average age that children are killed in the womb through the so-called medical care called abortion. His was in solid gold. He's wearing what looks like a gray suit, so it kind of has a nice little beam about it, and good for him for having that. At the same time, he also... Uh, had a very simple pro-life message on his uh, uniform that he was wearing that day, which was his jacket and tie as well. And that is on the tie itself, the necktie. Uh, Two words in Latin, vulneri presidio. And literally that's Latin for protect the vulnerable. Now, you got to love this. I mean, just have to love the fact that here's a guy who is you know, the top kicker in, I mean, scored the winning points in Super Bowl 57. He is a hero in Kansas City. 
But apparently, Live Action, the pro-life organization that uh, Lila Rose and company, who's been a guest on the bottom line for many years, a lot of the pro-life news that you hear from us comes from Life News, which is from Live Action. Uh, Live Action designed the tie. And the fact that he wore that tie to the White House, I, I, I love it. I mean, he gave an interview to the Daily Signal afterwards and said, I want to give the most vulnerable, the unborn, a voice at a place where every effort has been made to allow and normalize the tragic termination of life. As a father who has, with my wife, gone through three miscarriages, my wife and I understand the hardships that come with losing a child. Every life is precious and should be valued, whether outside or inside the womb. So you have to ask the question, why then... Was it so important for this man of faith to wear a tie with this message to the White House when they were being presented the championship trophy and uh, did their ceremonial visit to the Rose Garden? I'll tell you why. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But the first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else. Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a pre-born clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into pre-born health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, Father's Day edition, and I hope you and your dad, or if you are the dad, uh, get a chance to celebrate this weekend. Um, Harrison Butker is the place kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs. If you're a big football fan, you'll remember. Uh, and if you are, <laughs> if you're a casual football fan, let me remind you, he was the guy who kicked the winning field goal that gave the Chiefs the 38-35 victory over Philadelphia in Super Bowl 57. The Chiefs finally got around to making their White House visit a week ago. And while they were there, they made a special presentation. Of course, they give a Chiefs jersey with a number one on it and Joe Biden's name, and he's make some addresses and things like that. Harrison Butker showed up wearing a nice gray suit, crisp white tie, or white shirt rather, as my wife loves those things, and then a, a kind of a grayish uh, tie that had the two words written on it in Latin, uh, vulneri parziero, which means protect the vulnerable. He wore that right as he came up and met the president. He said, this is a message I wanted to give him. But why was it so important for this man of faith to wear that tie that day? Well, here's what the place kicker said, quote, President Biden is a professing Catholic. He's the most powerful man in the world, and he's responsible for leading the most pro-abortion administration our history. He's overseen a death toll, 2,548 children every day lost to abortion. So therefore, the reason why Harrison Butker, a devout Catholic, wore that pro-life tie 
to Joe Biden's office to meet with a professing Catholic who says, I, I'm okay with abortion, was to send a message. Message received and understood. And I love the subtlety, I love the dignity, but I love the effectiveness of that tie. Hey, what's on your tie? Oh, uh, Presidio Vulneri. What's that mean? Well, it's Latin for protect the vulnerable. Oh, what vulnerable are you talking about? Boom, First Peter 3.15. Here we go. See, much more than the angry protest. I mean, tonight a lot of people are going to be doing a prayer walk at Dodger Stadium because they don't like the Sisters of Indulgence being there. And I agree that we should not like that either. We need to stand up. But what's the most effective way to get the message across so that we, A, stand up for biblical values, but B, give people an opportunity to hear the true gospel? How many of those people are perishing and don't even know it? I'm grateful for a dad who went out of his way to make sure that we knew that we were loved by him and also loved by God. And dad, happy birthday on Sunday, happy Father's Day on Sunday to Warren Marsh. I love you and I'm so proud to be your son. And this radio thing, I think might work out. So thank you for your support eventually in that deal as well. Uh, By the way, uh, use this uh, pro-life example as a catalyst for you to give our friends at Preborn a call. No better way if you want to give a Father's Day gift, maybe even in honor of your dad. Maybe the relationship wasn't that great, but you want to do something meaningful and memorable. Call Preborn right now at 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com and click on the Preborn banner. We still have Dennis Wilson's matching gift in place, so your $100 donation becomes $200, your $500 donation becomes $1,000, your $2,500 donation becomes $5,000. Let's get an ultrasound machine and a pre-born clinic and show fathers the real meaning of Father's Day by seeing their child's picture in the womb. That's the good news, and that's the bottom line.